You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom This is Gonik Literature, and I want to talk tonight a little bit about piyutim that were written uh, by the Gonim, and maybe even perhaps earlier this year. The first year that we have in the Torah, of course, is from the, the from Lemech, Lemech to his wives, where Lemech sings a song. Um, the idea of saying things in a poetic fashion, even if it's, you know, listen to me, my wives, and, you know, you, you need to have relations with me like Lemech wanted, uh, and I'm not such a bad guy, and don't hate me, uh, or it's all Kal Yisrael. The idea that human beings uh, give over points in poetry and not prose, that seems to be tethered in the human condition. It, it bespeaks a certain amount of sophistication to be able to do that. And it, it, it bespeaks the fact that the language itself has grown large enough to accomplish that. Especially since, as we know, in order to do such a thing, you sometimes have to be inventive and not necessarily follow the rules of normal grammar. When we speak about uh, piyutim, uh, we sometimes think that it's limited to the prayers, limited to what was inserted in the tefillot. And some of you might remember a few weeks ago, we spoke about the actual um, discord, even among the Gonim, whether these insertions, which were justified at the time, because in Israel the uh, there was they did not allow, according to Torah, so piyutim became part of tefillah as a way to insert Torah into tefillah, and it had to be done sort of in a tricky way. Once the gzera was lifted, the piyutim continued and in fact grew. And they were extended to the point that, you know, the, the post can wonder whether it's halakhically a correct thing. Is it right to be mafsik in Birchus Briashma or in the Birchus Shmon Esrei with subject matter that is not uh, from the Anshik Nesagdola? Subject matter that was written by talented uh, Rabonim, uh, but generate a hefzik. There was a, another uh, the, uh, the simple piyutim uh, that were straightforward and beautiful to the very complicated ones. And it would seem that the Kalir, following uh, his Rebbe Yanai and others, um, developed a, a, a method of giving over ideas that was complex and was befuddling the point that, of course, um, one wonders, well, what do I get from this? I, it takes, I have to study this for, for days in advance to know what, what it is he means. So this was part of the problem of Piyutim and Tfilot. And uh, this has been battled and bandied about, and there's been communities that have made various types of concessions. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, yes. The Yom Tovim, yes. Uh, I mentioned last week off pod, that there's another type of piyutim, and these were these were introductions, introductions to portions of tefillah. 
They weren't inserted in tefillah, but they were said beforehand. This was a, a, this was considered a more halachically acceptable form of piyut because it didn't stick its nose, so to speak, into the the brachos and birchos kriyashma, the brachos Esrei. Okay, you want to, before chazaras shots, you'd like to say this piyut. Okay, fine, but it's, it doesn't become part of chazaras shots. The famous uh, incant and uh, things that that is chanted misod chachamim unavonim. Is considered a permission to insert piyutim. That's why it's said on uh, on, on Yom because there's a machlokas whether you're allowed to. So we say there are chachamim who allow it, and therefore, even though I know that there are people who would condemn me for doing this, the Chazan says it, it, it's I, I, I'm going with the side that allows it, and therefore uh, I need to explain to people that they shouldn't be shocked. That we are lengthening and altering our tefillot. However, as I said, the ones that occur before, or for example, after Megillah reading, these are piyutim that have don't seem to have that problem. The word payut is similar to the word poet. It's something that is said in a in a fashion that is um, not straightforward and is meant to elicit a certain graphic emotional response and to be charmed by the phrase. And somehow, and this is the important thing, it could also be memorized because eventually um, these piyutim, whether they follow an olive base acrostic or they rhyme, they even if you don't have them written down, they can be taught. Yomtev of Shuois, Many of you are familiar with the Akdomus, which is an Aramaic extolling the greatness of the Torah. But if you take a look at the old Machzerim of Shulis, you'll see that, that many, many Azharot were written before Kriyas HaTorah. Meaning, Shulis needs to be clear that it's the day the Torah was given. And today, that you don't have any other mitzvahs to do, so people in shul would hear by right before their seras adibros, or sometimes during the laning, uh, poetic renditions uh, that included every single mitzvah in the Torah. So this way, you could you should realize that what happens on the day of sixth of Sivan when we got the Torah was really getting the whole Torah, and all the whole Torah is included. Sadigon famously wrote his rishus. Uh, that is was was and part of that was later printed as the the Sefer Mitzvahs of Rav Sadia Uh but of course Shlomo uh, Ben Gabiro and others. Uh, and what the, the reason why these are a little bit different is because, well, their purpose is for you to to recognize how important the Day of Shuas is. Day of Shuas was meant to seen as the day the Torah was given. And what better way to sit back and hear about everything the Torah demands from us, all Tariyagbatis, and hearing about how Aseris and Dibras, how all-inclusive they are. So many, some of these piyutim were written in Aramaic, some in Lashon HaKodesh. All of them, the Rambam felt, were problematic because they attempted, 
as a, in a poetic way, to list all the mitzvahs. And here the Rambam felt many of them were not Talmud HaKazamim and didn't understand what was a mitzvah and what wasn't. The Rambam specifically uh, points his arrows at the Halachos Gedolot, Rabbi Doigoin or Shimon Kira, whoever was the author, because of his introduction that was read seemingly in communities on Shavuos. And that's what we call, we've had many classes about the Rambam's uh, critique, critique of the Bahag. But the, and, and, and the Rambam felt that you know, he didn't know if it was necessarily the proper thing to do on Shavuos. But the, the problem was they were so popular and so beautiful that that was what was that's what entrenched in people's minds what are mitzvahs and what aren't. One day a year they get to download the totality of mitzvahs. Well, the Rambam felt that his Mishnah Torah, which was built on all the mitzvahs of the Torah and indicating what was a mitzvah and what wasn't, and that was one of the frameworks of his book. He says would find uh, raised eyebrows by people who were used to these piyutin, these azharos, who thought, hey, that's a mitzvah. I don't remember that from the azharos. And the Raman felt that that <laughs> these were um, not meant to be taken seriously. And that's why he's surprised when people like the, the Bahag, who he knows was considered the, the one of the gaonim, of the great gaonim, and Rasadia gaon, make giant mistakes, like counting near Hanukkah as one of Taryag and other things. So, this leads us to the type of piyutim that I call thinking and speaking in rhyme. And these were piyutim that were placed at the beginning or the end of tremendous works of authors. I want to talk about that if I can first. We mentioned last week that Rav Haigon wrote an incredible work called Sefer Mecca Humemkar. I mentioned how organized it was. The other work that he wrote when he was younger was a work called Shara Shvois or Mishpatei Ashvos, which had to do with how Bezdin uh, sets forth and goes about enforcing people swearing on various issues in court about the veracity of their claim. Now, I'm going to read to you something that he wrote which, as you can see, in the manuscript, it's called Argozo Rabbeinu Haigo. That means a metered song. Rav Haigo wrote a metered song about Dinim. This wasn't meant to be read in Shul. This was meant to be an accompaniment to the, the work. Why would he do this? Well, if you're proud of what you wrote, <laughs> you don't mind rewriting it, you know, in a shortened form, in a poetic form. You know, in a way, a poem that somehow captures the the main elements of a of a larger work 
in a way, can serve as a key to that work. And it's, it's a handy key. It's not a boring one. Here it is. I'm going to praise God according to my mind, according to my intellect. And I will give the type of, uh, of, of, of grandeur and righteousness to the one who made me. To God, who is, of course, complete in his knowledge, the Rav owned and is so powerful. Levusho, the levush of, of God, what he enclosed himself, the way he manifests himself to us, is hod v'hadar gove v'gaon. So as you can see, the poem, just to point out again briefly to you, as you can see, sichli poali, on gaon. Asher niskav, that he is beyond in the beauty, the the majesty of godness, of greatness, of power. He alone is above all. And creation was beyond everything creation, which was in his mind that he did with such wisdom. This, of course, is our phrases taken from the Sefer Yitzira, the Sefer that has been attributed to Avraham Avinu, um, but it's considered a a, a mystical work, the Sefer Yitzira. And in the Sefer Yitzira, the Sefer Yitzira begins with this idea of Sviros, and right, and, and the spheros are belima. The spheros don't seem to be made of anything, and yet they exist. They don't seem to have physical dimensions, and yet they are. That world that he created was created with mishpat. It was created with what? With with din, with a sense of measure, a sense of what we call. Uh, the power of right and wrong. Roim v'tachas. Roim, of course, is Shamayim. Tachas is Oretz. Asher Korach v'chish. When he called, using his power of creation, quickly, chish, bo'kachas, they came out as one. Bo'amdu kasher olu b'kishro. And they came out as one, and the world was created, and when it happened, it came out so, so wonderfully structured. B'machshavto. Based on God's thoughts. B'lichi sarom v'yisrom. So Shemayim and Aretz came out together simultaneously. And there's nothing missing. There's no sense of one thing was there before the other. Everything came out. And here the Rav Dom, who wrote notes to this, Chaim Dom, says that this can be based on what Sadia writes in his commentary on the Sefer Yitzira, that everything was growing and coming out in one shot. It, it didn't take time 
for things to develop. And they came out exactly measured in weight, in amount, in number. And what is the creation? Even Shamayim and Aretz, it's all created by the four Greek and all ancient philosophers know the four elements. Those four elements permeate all. Be'esh, Mayim, Begam Ruach, Ve'ofer. Ve'hinik, ve'hinik kol v'mishpotov v'chukov. And he allowed everything to happen. He controlled everything with his mishpotim, his chukim, his laws of physics, his laws of nature, but also the laws, as we're going to see, of the Torah. They're all connected. Bipeles maznet tzedek ubakav. That's chukav ubakav. The scale that he creates the world in is also the mystical scale that all dinim are based on. Biyan kibit tzedek Because you need tzedek. The same way the creation needs to be perfect and was, human beings have their role in creating tzedek. And that is the way the world, the world itself is based on that. It's hanging like a, like, like, like a cluster. It hangs in, in, in gravity. It hangs as a planet. But this is all based on tzedek. And when you have things that are together, if they are together properly, it's perfect. But if one of the four Yisodos, even in a human being, for example, if I would speak to a philosopher slash doctor today about my cold that you can see that I have, he might say that I think that something's out of balance in your system. There's more fire here than there should be. There's more water than there should be. Something like that. So everything was based on having the four Yasodos working together. And that's what Haigon believed as well. Whenever you have something that's, you have the four elements connected together, when they're not measured correctly, then they don't really meld. And therefore you have discord. As he says, the kochovim if we go to the stars, the planets, we go to the galaxies, they're all betzedek. They all go nahugim. They all follow a path that is perfect. The kol hachai betzedek chai uforach. And if a person here on this planet meaning that that if everything on, on this planet anything that lives is, is is everything measured properly so it, it it's alive it sprouts what's the proof look how it grows even in the winter it what is it that causes these plants 
they're tended to properly, to have the resilience to keep on moving forth. What gives them that is the tzedek, that they are they are a perfect creation. And therefore, even though chorev can come, heat can come, kerach, ice can come, the plant will still be there. So whether it's the planets, whether it's what's growing in your backyard, everything is based on tzedek. Tzedek is not righteousness. It's balance of everything working properly in unity together. Lazos, tziva, shvot hakol ba'olam. And this is the command that God, who judges everything, has in his world. And paraphrasing Yisrael, ko yishal makamo bo v'yishalom, Everything, justice needs to be done. And everyone, if justice is done, then you can live together with your fellow man. And just like that plant, survive difficulty because you live according to the rule of law. At the time that he organized for his people the Mishpat, Bidin Sedek using proper did, and there are general rules. And there's also, of course, smaller rules, smaller um, details, and dirty ones. He didn't let them even know. It's a great, great honor that God has given us this mishpat that parallels the laws of the universe that we need to enforce. And it's wrong to go to find the Mishpat with Goyim. Even if those Goyim have somehow figured out our system and have copied our system. And here we find Rav Hai speaking about something that was very prevalent in his time. And it's something which Chazal knew was a machla, and it's still a machla, which is the fact that people are going to the non-Jewish courts. You can't do it. Ve'ish nizkak be'ugriot ba'oser. And what does that person do? He goes to the non-Jewish court. Ugriot is like a convocation of judges together. 50, 20, or whatever it is, like Oger, it's like you got the best legal, non-Jewish legal minds. There are Jews that go to those, uh, go to those tribunals, but it's also what they're doing. Levad, lifnei asher osaf la'aser. The one you should go to is someone who has the 10 Important elements. First of all, who should judge you? Hios Gever, who ben Chorin veEzrach. He has to be a man. He has to be free. He has to be an Ezrach, which means he cannot be a convert. Mehir Sedek, 
which means he runs after Tzedek. You can see in so many aspects of his personal life that he runs after Tzedek, not just when he sits with the robes on. Yosher Levov, what's right and what's wrong. He has good hunches. Right, well, Mashiach supposed to Who be able to... Who can't you use? So again, in poetry, Levad Karov Viniskarit. You can't take a relative. You can't take someone who you pay. Yes, judges should not be paid for judging. They can take what's called schar batala, if they were doing something else. But they can't take money. So don't take a judge, even a a smart one, a Jewish one, if he says, well, it's going to cost you. And again, we won't get into what is the right to take money and who is a balsecho. There's people who have a lot of knowledge, but they lack common sense. So, what does a chokhmah mean? He's, he's girded with wisdom. So, this could mean, as we, as we know from Rav Haigon's um, statement that we saw from, uh, developed by Shomi uh, Rappaport a couple of weeks ago, he means he knows philosophy and also the wisdom of, of what we would call math, physics, geometry, he has that as well. That's the type of person who you should go to for a din. And he is not doing it for himself. In other words, his purpose for doing it is not because, well... <laughs> I'm going to either help save someone because it helps me. No. Kiratson Kono Ritsono. He has melded his will with God's. Asher Osaf Asrael. If somebody has these ten, the one who has gathered all these ten, Yukuba. Bedino. Im Chosar Achas Yenuva. See the rhyme? <laughs> then. It's disgusting. It's it's gone bad. Even if one of these things are missing, you don't want that. We talked about the other Chochmah. In the five books of Moses. He needs to be a Chochmah in terms of understanding them and living as a, as a Yare of the mitzvahs of the Torah. Bimora. Bimikra. But also, that's included beyond that, is all Tanakh. Gambe Mishnah, Atahora. He needs to know Mishnahis. Even parts that aren't necessarily relevant to what he's going to Paskin about. Betosefta uvetalmud lishamish. And he has to know how to, the ins and outs of the Bryces, Betoseftas. He has to know the ins and outs of the Bryces, the ins and outs of, of, of the Talmud, Lishamish, because he's been Mishamish Tamir Chachamim, which means, the way Rashi explains, to know how Gemara works. And he knows that. He understands the Bryces. He understands what the Talmud does. Also, Uvichuvo Shalos, he also is ready to answer questions. 
as we know, when it says Bnei Yisrael Chamusha, they were armed. So he is armed. He's got the type of knowledge. He doesn't have to say, "Come back to me tomorrow." I don't know. He's ready to answer the questions that are laid at his feet. Da, you should know. The mishpatim of the Torah are precious and covered. And they can basically be divided into five sections. Mamanos, when it's a question of mama. Do you owe the money? Did you borrow the money? Did you break his thing? Mama. Kam knosos. What the Torah calls a knas, where it isn't necessarily based on the value. A fine. Gam idios, meaning figuring out who can testify and what's considered a person to testify. Lamalkios. These are sections of the Torah where the person, if he violates it, will be corporally punished. And also ready for what? For nefoshos. So, you could read this, by the way, this way. Gam idios, testimony about getting makos or nefoshos. So, the point, though, is shlosha chalokim eisludonim. The three, three of these we still do, even today, even in Bovell, even in North Africa, even in Europe. Three of these five are relevant today. Baravi nefoshos einzmano. Dealing with nefoshos, we can't do that anymore. And again, there were some places in Spain where they did do nefoshos. Ravai seems to say we can't. The chamishi. Knossos, when it comes to knas, we know from the Gemara, ain't b'bovel. And bovel includes anything out of Israel, despite the advancements of the community. There's no knossos in bovel. Levad, mama, and asher hizik mechavel. But if the knas is a byproduct of an attack, a physical attack of one over the other person, that you would do. That's Mammon. In other words, Knas not. But Boshes, Nezek, that you could do. Again, the Gemara seems to say that we don't do it. But you can see here that Rav Haigon says, yes, this is done. If you want to have a knas where the person has violated something that the Torah calls a fine, and he violated it outside of Israel, there is a way to get satisfaction. What is that? Go to Israel. Even today, even after the Chorban. And Eretz Yisrael is where they sit and where they estimate these knossos. But it has to be Kishanizak, Yavake Shamlahazmin, when the guy who's injured, the one who owns the slave, who wants the 30 shkalim, or 
the one whose, whose daughter has been uh, who's been raped. <coughs> when he demands that the perpetrator go to Eretz Yisrael and he makes a date with him when they should meet in Israel, and he's been told to go, to come there to go into a din Torah with the other party. Asher Yidrash Knossai, the guy wants to get his Knoss and you're not coming. Sham Lumas Yushmat. You should put him in Chayrim for not going. If he has the wherewithal to go to Israel, he doesn't want to go. You, you're going to put him in Chayrim here. He's going to get excommunicated. Ada Yovel Laratzas Bedino. Until he decides, yes, I'm going to go and pay him, and I'm going to go to Israel, and we'll decide it. If he's a real tough guy, and we're afraid that he's going to be like a mafia guy, <laughs> so Ain Ladono, you should perhaps not start up with him, because it's just going to be bad news for the other party. However, Im Kodam Betafas says Knossoy, if the Niza can't get the guy to go to Israel, and he's such a tough guy, but he goes and breaks into the guy's house, takes what he knows belongs to him, according to the law, and had they been in Israel, he would have gotten that money. This that he grabbed stays with him. So, I've done with you 31 stanzas of this song that for a beginner who perhaps didn't have much interest in how law works, but he could enjoy reading this poem. And, and to, because it, 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 in a way, it demands a little bit of work, a little bit of reference, and not too much that you are just stymied like you are by certain phrases of the color. And I think that, that, that for that reason, it is, it is in a way, um, rethinking as a method of teaching, teaching in rhyme. Uh, and I, I believe it's also a game, uh, a discussion with someone who is arguably the greatest expert in the writings of Rav Cook. He's someone very well known in the United States. And he and I uh, were embarking on a project where he was the senior uh, mover of this project. And I, uh, uh, it was 20-something years ago, over 20, uh, over 22, 23 years ago, uh, I was uh, the head of the Chicago chapter of Orot, to push the ideas of Rav Mitzchak Hakoyin Cook, Zeichet Sadek Hakodesh and what I did with my groups was I introduced them to Rav Cook's poetry, because I feel that often the poems of a person of such that you are scared of, that you you find so austere, that you're that you 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 say, oh, I can't understand what he means. But here you have a leg up. 
he's lowering himself in a way, readying himself for you. And I believe that this is could be true as well for for Rav Hai, that these shirim that we have, and we have the, we have a shir on called shir uh, about Shulot, and we also have uh, another shir that is also extant, another poem from Rav Hai. And I think that those represent for those that are that were willing to take the time a, a way to enter not only into his way of thinking but also into the the complete halachic oeuvre that 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 he uh, represented and i think with rav kook Zatzal as well um one wants to know the machshava of rav kook and the mind of rav kook and the struggle of rav kook one can see it in his poems one can see it, in, and they don't necessarily rhyme. They aren't necessarily like the Arabic meter. But in many ways, that might be the first stop, uh, as it is for many, to really come to embrace and love these men and appreciate what they what they were able uh, to accomplish. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.